Welcome to Food and Wine with Chef Jamie Gwen. Celebrate food and life by learning about the culinary scene around the world. Speaking with chefs, artists, and food makers, farmers, authors, and tastemakers who are passionate about everything delicious. A very good Sunday to you, food lovers. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio, and a very happy Memorial Day weekend to you as well. If you are grilling and chilling out by the backyard barbecue right about now, well, you're definitely in the right place and you've made the right choice because this hour I'm bringing you an arsenal of inspiring ideas for savory and sweet dishes that will make your barbecues all throughout the summer come alive with flavor. I'm interested in all aspects of food, and every Sunday I share my passion here on the radio. You'll hear from restaurants and chefs about cookbooks and culinary travel. There's food news and opinions, and I love to touch on the science and politics of food, and I hope that you will tune in. I also hope you'll check out chefjamie.com, where I've got Lots of quick recipes, great prep advice, and inspiring ideas that are guaranteed to make you hungry. Once again, you can find me serving up seconds at chefjamie.com, and you can find my daily dispatches of what I love to cook and love to eat posted on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Chef Jamie Gwen. So to kick off this Sunday's conversation... There is a a lot of dialogue brewing about salt lately. Now, actually, it's ongoing, really. You see the chopped judges ask for more salt. There's a host of choices in the spice section that you can buy. And when it really comes down to this beautiful mineral, the question is, what should you be using and when? This is a refresher course on salt. So turn up your radio and listen in because one single ingredient can change the way all of your dishes taste. Consider, let's say, the ribeye steak or that brilliant burger that you're planning to grill later today. Well, without salt, and some would say freshly ground pepper, it would be bland and gray. But with just a simple douse of seasoning, you can elevate a single ingredient. Salt heightens the natural flavors in food. It adds depth and umami, and it makes sweet things a little sweeter too. Now, any chef or confident cook will tell you that knowing how to season with salt is really as crucial as any other technique that you will learn. You may have already mastered lots of cooking techniques, but if your food isn't seasoned properly with salt, it really won't matter. The flavors will be bland. Salt, in my opinion, is essential to a dish. It highlights the flavors. It brings them really into sharper focus. But not all salt is created equal. And I will tell you that most restaurant chefs like me who cook at home and have cooked or do cook in a professional kitchen will tell you that kosher salt is their salt of choice. But before I get to the three salts that you should stock, I want you to step away from the iodized table salt. Yes, please. We really don't need additional iodine in our nutrition and our bodies uh, since we get it from other foods naturally. And I really recommend that if you have a container of iodized salt, that you throw it away. 
It is ground so fine that you have no idea how much you're using, and it tends to make great cooks over salt. So with that said, and the iodized salt gone, these are the three salts that your food and everyone who eats it will thank you for. The first, as I mentioned, is kosher salt. Kosher salt has rough-shaped crystals. They are the workhorse of your salt stable. And you use them for seasoning a steak before you sear it or grill it. You use kosher salt to salt the pasta water to perk up corn on the cob because its jagged texture makes it easier to pick up and sprinkle and you get very accurate seasoning. It has a a very clean, neutral flavor that I believe goes with any food as well. And I like how you can layer kosher salt. You know how much you're using when you pick it up. And you could, let's say, make tomato sauce by sauteing onions and garlic to start, seasoning them with kosher salt and freshly ground pepper, and then adding the next ingredient, let's say the canned tomatoes, and seasoning it again. Kosher salt allows you to create that depth and those levels of flavor while you continue to season a dish. And it is no doubt my number one salt of choice. Now, flaky sea salt is your second salt staple. You might see Malden or gray salt. Those are both earthy, minerally seasonings, and I tend to call them special occasion salts. It's a large, irregularly shaped flake. It's very slow to dissolve on your tongue. So I use it as a garnishing salt. I sprinkle flake salt over a crostini or a bruschetta, sometimes on buttered bread or definitely on cut tomatoes. You can even use it for desserts like on caramels for sea salt caramel or uh, over fresh fruit during the summer just to heighten the flavor of melon. Oh, yes. But you want to sprinkle sparingly with flaky sea salt because it has a very pronounced flavor. And a little does go a long way, note to self. And then there is the third in your salt stock. I recommend fine sea salt. It is made by evaporating seawater. And so sea salt tastes different depending upon the source. But for the most part, it's bolder and brinier than kosher salt. And I like to use it to season long, slow cooking processes like soups and stews. And you do get a very straight measure for it. So you'll often use fine sea salt when you're baking. More specifically, you might use fleur de sel, which is actually harvested from the sea in France where the lavender grows nearby. So it tends to have that subtle floral essence and pastry chefs definitely love it. So kosher salt. And then of course, the flaky sea salt that I mentioned, and then fine sea salt of some variety, and you will have it made when it comes to dishes that are truly full of fantastic flavor. Now, I know it sounds crazy, but you should have a salt tasting to explore the many virtues of what I think is the best mineral around. You grab a French bread, some good olive oil, and a few salts from around the world, like maybe you want to try Himalayan pink, or you haven't tasted Malden lately, and then you just dip and taste, and you find what your palate likes. And I guarantee when you use the right salt and the right amount of salt, your signature dishes will be better than ever. Okay, I'll get off my salt box now and move on to news you can use. Pringles, you know, the potato chip-like snack 
that's enjoyed in over 100 countries with over a billion U.S. dollars in sales annually has over 100 flavors. Did you know? Some are rather ordinary, um, but some are really strange. Like uh, they make a bacon Caesar salad Pringle and a beef kebab Pringle and even a blueberry hazelnut Pringle, to name a few. Well, now you can add dessert Pringles to the list. Pringles has a new sea salt caramel chip that's getting a bunch of buzz. I haven't tasted it yet, but the snack that you've been praying for (laughs) just might be here. Well, maybe. And that is food news for the week. And do not touch your dial because there is a ton of delicious conversation coming up this Memorial Day weekend. Matthew Ramsey is stopping by next. He's the blogger and author of Porn Burger. Yes, you heard me right. We are delving deep into the art of hamburgery. Also, Ida Rodriguez, corporate chef of Melissa's Produce, is stopping by to share sweet summer produce picks and grilling tips. And we're highlighting a new food app before the end of the show that will help you waste less and store more. So don't touch your dial. Satisfying your cravings with a great taste for life. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. I'll be right back. Okay, get ready to drool. Welcome back, Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. Matthew Ramsey is a self-proclaimed burger pervert. A chef, a photographer, a glorious food stylist, Matthew launched his porn burger blog to huge buzz and rave reviews to indulge his food fantasies and satisfy your gluttony. Shamelessly health unconscious and ready to entertain, Matthew's recipes deliver the ultimate in burger stackography, each burger expertly designed and lusciously photographed, so much so that I'm telling you, you want to lick your computer screen when you read Matthew's prose and see his photos. Combining tantalizing meat blends, grinds, and cooking methods with lip-smacking custom ketchups and pickles, Porn Burger offers the ultimate burger experience and entices you to create your own burger adventure. And I don't think there could be a better time than this Memorial Day weekend to craft a new and brilliant burger. Matthew's first cookbook has just released a look-and-cook mind-blowing manuscript for burger lovers. Matthew is here to dish and delve into the dark arts of hamburgery, and I'm very glad to have you. Hi, Matt. Hi, how's it going? Thank you. Oh, of course. It's going great, um, and a very happy holiday weekend to you. Yeah. Okay, um, you've garnered an incredible audience, a following, and a, a pretty fantabulously crazy reputation for shameless burgers. Uh, you craft these mouthwatering masterpieces from your from your favorite flavor combinations, do you dream this stuff up? How does it come to be? Uh, well, I, I don't know if you're familiar with the, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle. Yes. But there's, there's a villain uh, named Crane who's basically this uh, this 
alien that's in the stomach of this bigger thing. And that's basically <laughs> what my stomach is. I have uh, it makes all the, the decision making powers in my <laughs> in our relationship. <laughs> I, I have I have a, a very big brain in my stomach, and it, it tells me what to do. Well, um, it's telling you well. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, no, you know, my approach is very, very ingredient-driven, and it's stuff that I either want to play with or, or work with, uh, and seeing how I can uh, break that into the confines of a, of a burger to kind of construct my own fantasies, you know? Yes, they are burger fantasies, no doubt. Let's talk about the burger components on a very basic level. Um, you're certainly not about a traditional bun. We'll start at the top, and we'll move down. Um, how do yeah. you How do you create new... Uh, bun concepts, essentially, because just about anything can encapsulate a patty of some sort, right? So, I mean, that, that was the fun in it, and that, that was kind of where the project was. It's kind of blurring the lines of what a, a burger is supposed to be and, and what it actually could be. And, and you know, that, that means that, yeah, we can switch out the bun for uh, a waffle. So you suddenly mm. have this, this great gripping device that <laughs> <laughs> makes it easier to, to bring the burger to your mouth. and uh, Or we can make it a Pop-Tart, you know. Uh, or we can uh, we can turn into a, you know an adult beverage and have a cocktail. I love that idea. Okay, uh, you tend to step to the sweeter side at times as well. Um, there is a phenomenon of sweet and savory combining that umami of rich meat and um, the donut, the cronut, you know the sure. <laughs> the dessert meets burger concept. Just touch on it, if you would. Yeah, so, you know, it's, uh, I, I love that play between savory and, and sweet. Um, and, you know, with, with the, like, uh, I did, yeah, the cronut, which is, but I ended up, instead of it being an actual sweet donut, it's, you know, it has Parmesan in it. Right. Um, it, it, there's just a, so many different fun ways to play with it. And suddenly, if you're, you know, when you're, you're, when you're candying prosciutto, say, mm. uh, it adds a whole different element to prosciutto and, and makes it, you know, fun to play with uh, foie gras or, yes. you know, in, any of those uh, elements. Hmm. It's like the, the meaning of sea salt caramel. You know, you've got yeah. that, that salty, yeah, exactly. sweet, yeah, the, the dichotomy of the two. Okay, um, move to meat, please, because your meat picks are a bevy of different flavors and you go vegetarian, pescatarian, um, but when it comes to like a really brilliant burger, what is your beef ratio or what do you tend to lean towards? I do my own grind, and honestly, it's it's one of those things where grinding your own meat is really one of the easiest ways to kind of up your game in the burger world. I agree. Um, so I, I've done a, I've done a lot of experimenting, uh, but basically the ratio that I came down to was uh, one part sirloin, um, one and a half parts short rib, which kind of adds some of that some of the the grassy but uh, rich notes to the burger, mm-hmm. uh, and then two parts of chuck. And two parts um, of chuck. Okay. Yeah, so the sirloin kind of acts as a binding agent for hmm. the other for the other ones, and then the the chuck adds, you know, all that fat and juiciness that we love in the burger, and then uh, the short rib kind of just adds some that little sweetness and sourness and, and some of those richer notes. Hmm. I love a combination like that as well. In fact, that makes me think of the Black Label Burger in New York yeah. at Manetta. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, that combination of meat. I talk about grinding your meat often on this show, and if you have a meat grinder attachment for your electric mixer. Um, it always works well, but I've been known to do it in the food processor as well. As long as you pulse, you can really mix meats on your own very simply. Exactly. And I, I think it's, it's daunting to people and it's, you know, it's an extra step, but it, it really just, it's 100% different. Yeah, that it is. Um, your toppings are 100% different too. Um, 
I, I've never seen anybody put so much and so much fabulous stuff on a burger. And I was very taken with your black vinegar marinated onions. I share your uh, passion for black vinegar, that Asian vinegar that has this incredible texture. I know that sounds bizarre no, for, for viscosity, so right. right? Doesn't it have that depth that you can't find anywhere else? Yeah. I mean, I think I say this in the book, but it's like, it's literally the only uh, vinegar I would ever consider wearing like that behind my ear as a cologne. Like it's, <laughs> it's, just, it's woodsy. It has all these notes. Uh, and when you took onions in black vinegar, suddenly it, it kind of cuts down the bite of uh, the onion and just adds a real nice melon. I don't know. It's, it, it, it has like a little bit of a Worcestershire kind of thing going on. It's yeah, it really does. Earthy, a little sweet, woodsy. Mm, it's so good. I can't wait to make those, by the way. I also, yeah. um, I also can't wait to follow your preparation for a smash-cooked burger. Um, this is no doubt a D.C. trend where you hail from. And by the way, if you, if you just tuned in, you're late because Matthew Ramsey is here. And he is <laughs> crafting and concocting porn burgers and what better conversation than Memorial Day weekend? Um, talk to us about the smashed burger preparation, because that is a, a DC trend that I believe you've started. And I like to talk about the surface area of protein, whether it applies to the grill or a saute pan, because that's where the caramelization comes from. Yeah, I mean, this is where, this is where science meets burgers, right? It's, right. It's that, that crisp and crust that you want on a burger, that's, that's where a lot of the flavor is. Mm-hmm. So, and that's, you know the Maillard reaction. So the whole concept of the, of the smash burger is trying to get as much of that surface area of a burger uh, to hot pan as possible mm. So uh, to get all that flavor. So basically, you're, you're, preparation-wise, you're, you're taking um, you know, a measured-out patty. So like, uh, I, I do like four ounces for a, for a smash cook burger. Okay. And you, you're just kind of gently lumping it into a ball. Uh, you don't want to season it until you're about to throw it in the pan, but you, uh, you get a pan nice and hot, season it with, liberally with salt and pepper, and then you're literally just going to smash it down. You can do it with your hand, you can do it with a spatula, and you're trying to get as much of that uh, meat onto the, the hot pan as possible so you can just get all that nice crusty action. Yeah, and I love the idea of serving a smash burger because it has a story. When people are looking for this, like, tall, you know, round, perfect patty, and it's a Sunday of Memorial Day weekend, you're planning your barbecue for, your mo- for tomorrow, and you're thinking, I'm going to smash all my patties and just blow my friends' minds away when it comes to my culinary expertise. I see smashed burgers everywhere tomorrow. Like on house, uh, in houses across the U.S., Matthew. The one thing you don't want to do is, is smash a burger on the grill, though. Well, that's that. true, right? It needs to be a, a top-of-the-stove preparation. I, I actually have a cooking steel that I'll offer on my grill um, so that none of that grease actually gets smashed out and, and disappears into the flames. There we go. So we could lay a um, cast iron of, you know, a flat pan, uh, just about anything yeah. on your grill and then oh. still use the smash burger preparation. Exactly. All that will work for sure. You can take your burger to truly decadent heights. Matthew Ramsey is defying convention and embracing his inner burger fantasies. And you can find it all in the new book release entitled Porn Burger. And you can follow his blog of hot buns and juicy beefcakes at pornburger.me, pornburger.me. 
M-E will get you there. Here's to Brilliant Burgers uh, this holiday weekend. Matthew, thank you for sharing your passion. Thank you so much. It's my pleasure. There's more delicious conversation in your radio, grilling and chilling. Chef Jamie Gwen. I'll be right back. Okay, prepare yourself because we're about to get fresh. Welcome back, Chef Jamie Gwen, in your radio. Summer is often considered the best time of year for the widest variety of produce. It's abundant and colorful and full of flavor. And if you're looking for fresh inspiration to enjoy the best of summer's bounty, well, then this next conversation is for you. Think tasty, tangy, tart, sweet, and delicious, and you'll think Melissa's. Providing quality produce to chefs and restaurants and markets for over 25 years. I'm proud and grateful to have Melissa's World Variety Produce as a sponsor and friend of this show since our inception 15 years ago, and their products just keep getting sweeter. If you have a taste for tree fruit or you're big on figs, well, then summer is your season. Ida Rodriguez is the corporate chef for Melissa's World Variety Produce and an incredible cook who I'm proud to call my friend. She is here to grill your fruit and veggie knowledge. A very happy Memorial Day weekend to you, Ida. I'm glad to have you back. And to you too, Jamie. Thank (laughs) Thank you for having me. Are you grilling and chilling today and tomorrow? It's just the perfect time because everything is available to us now. Summer is the best time for fruits and vegetables. Okay, so I happen to love to grill everything, as you know. And you are a girl at the grill as well. Because I think that grilling intensifies the natural sweetness and the flavor specifically of fruits and veggies, right? Absolutely, for especially for veggies, because you don't think of them as sweet, but they do contain some sugar, and so it's nice to grill them and bring that flavor out. So it, it just makes it that much more easier to use them um, in just as grilled and eat them just like that, or to actually incorporate them into recipes. I love the idea of a grilled vegetable salad. I love anything stuffed on the grill that's veggie, like uh, stuffed mushrooms or big portobellos or zucchini boats. So let's start with veggies. Inspire us, please. What uh, do you plan for your summer menus when it comes to grilling vegetables? Well, I think it's a very exciting time because uh, you can grill almost anything. Mm -hmm. And now it's so nice with those grill mats that they sell. Yes. So you're not limited to something that's big and isn't going to fall through the grate. <laughs> you get that mat on there. It's just like if you grilled them directly on the on the grates, but you get the marks and you get all the juices, yet nothing will fall through. So asparagus are fun to grill. Um, mushrooms. I love to make portobello burgers. 
and I've been known to serve them, and people don't even realize it's not meat. (laughs) It's the whole portobello. It's so meaty. Yeah, it definitely is meaty, and it is a great substitute for steak or a nice way to add a vegetarian spin to a meal that incorporates, you know, protein of different varieties. You mentioned asparagus. I think it's really important to... Uh, specify. Some vegetables require pre-cooking when it comes to the grill, but few of them. You can really cook start to finish most veggies on the grill in a kebab, right? Yes, absolutely. Everything. Uh, Potatoes might be an exception that would take them too long. And by the time they were done, they might be too charred. So you pre-cook yours, you steam or boil? Either. depends what I'm going to use with them. But I like to uh, steam them and then just let them dry. Mm. And they're great. Uh, smash them mm. and then just toss them a little bit of olive oil, salt and pepper and put them on the grill to get them nice and crispy. Oh, yum. It's like a baked potato meets a mashed potato, French right. fry or mashed potatoes. They're delicious. Yeah, nice and, and crispy on the outside. They're also nice to add to your potato salad. And most of the times we will boil or um, roast potatoes and then add them to the potato salad. But if you grill them, it gives them an entire di- entirely different flavor with, and uh, texture because it makes them nice and crispy. So I love to do that with our Dutch yellow potatoes. Mm. Do yes. that and then get them nice and crispy and add them to your salad with some salad dressing or vinaigrette or whatever your re- favorite recipe is. Yeah, I think you make a great point about potato salad off the grill because when you're making traditional potato salad in the kitchen, we know that when you add a vinaigrette or whatever it is you're dressing the potato salad with while the potatoes are still warm. Oh, they just absorb all yes, the flavor. Yes, their pores are open and they become so porous that they soak up like the right. lemon juice and the olive oil or the lemon and zest and the parsley. you don't have to add as much right. because they do absorb it. If you wait till they're cold, a lot of times the dressing just rolls down to the bottom of the, of the bowl. Of the bowl, right. But um, it's nice when they're warm and they absorb all that. And the other fun thing about grilling is you don't have to heat up your kitchen. You can cook it all outside. I love to be outside, especially in the summer. So you can cook your entire meal from appetizers to desserts right on the grill. For sure. One of the things I love from Melissa's is the veggie sweet mini peppers in a bag. Oh, my gosh. Those are so nice. I think they're taking over bell pepper territory. I think they are, too. Now, I snack on them. I think they are beautiful on a crudite, right? And, you know, we eat with our eyes first. Yes. And the colors are just so vibrant and beautiful. I don't know anybody who doesn't like them. And on the grill, they get that char. You can put them in a basket or you can put them right on the grill. I use them to garnish everything during the summer from the barbecue. Absolutely. And because they've got a really thin skin... You're okay. You don't have to peel them. It's a pleasure to eat the whole thing. Um, I love that kids love to eat them, too. So it looks like it's a hot pepper, and they think it's a really cool thing that they're eating now, but it's really sweet. (laughs) Yeah, they're delicious. And they're great stuffed as well. Oh, what do you stuff them with? Oh, my gosh. Well, if you want to go vegetarian, you could stuff them with some goat cheese. Um, oh, stuff like, them with other vegetables, with rice and other vegetables mixed in. I, any leftovers I might have of other vegetables, I'll put smart. them in there. But then you could also use some crab meat or some sort of protein Ooh, Okay. Well. It's like a sweet popper, almost. Yes, yes, exactly. Oh, I love that idea. Okay, we're sharing sweet summer produce picks and grilling tips. Stay right there. More with Ida Rodriguez of Melissa's World Variety Produce just after the break.
Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. A very happy Memorial Day weekend to you. Melissa's Produce Corporate Chef Ida Rodriguez is here, and we are talking about sweet summer produce picks. Let's move on to an even sweeter side. I happen to love to grill fruit like you do. There is something about tree fruit, peaches specifically, coming into season, of course, from Melissa's, the um, organic plum bites, the nectarines, the plum cots, which are so high in bricks level, I understand, this summer. And those are all perfect for grilling because of their high bricks level. So you just have to cut them in half. I like to take the pits out and toss them in a little bit of olive oil so they don't stick to the pan, or you could use a, a neutral oil. And uh, just grill them cut side down first right. and then turn them over and let them finish uh, cooking. Depends what you're going to do with them. Sometimes they just need to be charred a little bit, and then they're delicious to just eat them straight like that. But if you wanted to add them to something, you might want them to cook a, be a little softer, so cook them a little longer. Mm. But um, definitely, and again, those grill mats are great for that. Yeah, for sure. I saw a recipe for a grilled peach pie. We have Ooh. to try, Ida. Grilled fruit incorporated into other recipes. And then, oh, that would be amazing. Wouldn't that be good? And then yeah. you need like sea salt caramel sauce, big scoop of ice cream, <laughs> whipped cream, and then you have a grilled fruit sundae. Exactly. It, just, good. it takes it to another level. Yes, it does. And then leftover grilled fruit, albeit there usually isn't much, which, you know, I always tease. It's like having leftover wine. Who has leftover <laughs> wine? But leftover grilled fru- fruit, rather, I puree and make a fruit soup. Beautiful. And then yes. put like a scoop of sorbet in the middle of the bowl and surround it with the fruit soup. And you have this really Yum. impressive, wow, fancy, chilled fruit soup. Yes. Or you could add a shot of something fabulous like rum or vodka and you could have a cocktail at the end of a meal and list to what you can do it just takes the fruit and the vegetables to a different level gives them different flavor and it's fun to play with them and add them to something you already do with them Mm -hmm. but it'll just make it taste that much more different and, and delicious And then um, before I let you go, at Melissa's, it is both fig season and grape season upcoming. Yes, lots of good grapes, all domestic. Okay. Uh, Moscato grapes, red and green, are delicious. Of course, champagne grapes are fun. They're beautiful. The whole bunch on the grill, just a little bit of smoky char and then on the side of a cheese plate. Oh, beautiful. Yes. And then, of course, cotton candy grapes are coming Mm. uh, later in July. Crazy sweet. And those are just delicious. And then the new jelly drop. Thank you, as always, for sharing your passion and the beauty and bounty of Melissa's World Variety Produce. Um, I will say um, that you can find our weekly Melissa's Produce pick at chefjamie.com. Finding good local produce is a snap when it comes to Melissa's, especially summer produce. Look for the Melissa's logo where the I is the carrot. You'll see it by name. And you'll find more recipe inspiration at melissa's.com as well, where you can order produce direct to your front door. Ida's recipes are highlighted on the site um, and a, a bevy of beautiful ones for summer. So don't miss them. I hope to see you for a barbecue soon, Ida. Oh, definitely, Jamie, and thank you for having me. And I'll thank you for sharing your passion. As the delicious conversation continues, there is more fabulous food to satiate you in your radio right after this. Don't go away.
Insightful commentary on everything delicious every Sunday in your radio. Welcome back. Chef Jamie Gwen here. A recent USDA Economic Research Service report revealed that 133 billion pounds of food in the food supply goes uneaten every year. The estimated value of this food loss is $161 billion. Amazing, right? The leading 15 foodborne pathogens also cost the U.S. economy more than $15 billion annually because of hospitalizations and deaths. And so how can you eat healthier and safer for your family? Well, DMI, the world's first end-to-end mobility company, announced that it is continuing its work with the U.S. Department of Agriculture on The Food Keeper, a premier mobile app that helps you understand food and beverage stores. I have the app on my phone, and you should too. It was developed by the USDA's Food Safety and Inspection Service with Cornell University and the Food Marketing Institute. Sonny Bajaj is the founder and CEO of DMI, his company having been honored as one of the top 5,000 fastest growing private companies in the country by Inc.com for the past four years and a multi-year winner of the Washington Smart CEO Future 50 Award. I'm glad to have you, Sonny. Thank you for being here. Thank you, Jamie. My pleasure. Okay. Thank you. Let's see. Where do we start? So uh, when we consider our global footprint, we have to be aware of food waste and foodborne illness. It's in the news every day, right? Can you bring us up to speed on the state of food in the union? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so I think they're estimating by the year 2050, uh, the global population is going to be 9 billion, right? So that's 9 billion mouths to feed. And, you know, as most people remember the birth date of a family member, that might stick in your mind. Uh, you're probably not able to remember when the last time you bought items that are in your refrigerator. So um, it's really important to make sure um, that obviously the USDA is, has created this app that you can go ahead and check to make sure that you're storing your food items, um, you know, in a proper manner mm-hmm. uh, so that they don't become uh, bad or contained and, and you know, help uh, cause illnesses. I think it's really genius. There are multiple categories on the Food Keeper app. Um, which is a free in-app purchase, I know. Everything from baked goods to beverages to deli and prepared foods. And I thought the condiment section, what you think might be shelf-stable or doesn't have a an expiration date, I should say, was most interesting to learn about. Yeah, absolutely. Because when you think about it in your house, there's a certain items that you put in your refrigerator, and obviously you assume that those are going to be uh, kept at a certain temperature. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then there's items like uh, ketchup and mustard, right? They just sit out maybe on your counter and uh, fairly casually. Um, mm. But you'd be surprised to know that ketchup uh, has a shelf life of one year. And, uh, you know, who, who goes through uh, ketchup that often or right. realizes that it's time to kind of, uh, you know, recycle or dispose of that item. Of course. There are other uh, perks to the app that I liked. The access to a hotline. Um, there is information in depth about food safety and the alerts so that you can be made aware of products that you've purchased that might have risk of foodborne illness as well. I mean, this is really for food lovers everywhere to stay on top of food safety in our own homes, for our families, for our children. Yeah, absolutely. This is really a kind of game-changing breakthrough app because it really puts that information in the consumer's hands. Um, And we've actually created a lot of new releases and updates to it. So as you mentioned... Um, we're going to actually soon have uh, real-time recall alerts 
so for example, I think uh, most of us have heard about the uh, the recent listeria outbreak mm-hmm. and the recall uh, from uh, you know I guess some of the major grocery stores. Um, so this will help real time give those alerts out there, and it's also going to be uh, multilingual as well. They're going to add Spanish and Portuguese. Uh, language functionality as well to truly make it a kind of more ubiquitous global app. Keeping mindful of, of waste and safety. Appreciate your time, Sonny. He is uh, Sonny Bajaj, the founder and CEO of DMI, and it is the technology that is paving the way for a better food future. And so that brings us to the end of another hour of culinary discovery. I hope that I've inspired you to cook something new this week and that I added just a little bit of flavor to your Memorial Day barbecue. I hope that you'll tune in every Sunday to discover more delicious recipes, restaurant finds, unique ingredients, and to learn and master techniques. You will find me serving up seconds, as always, at chefjamie.com and with my daily dispatches on my passion for food on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Chef Jamie Gwen. So I'll leave you with my last bite for the hour. Let's see. It is Memorial Day weekend, and you are gathered round the grill, and for sure you have some bananas in the kitchen, right? Well, grab them, because this is one of my favorite grilled desserts. You don't have to have a campfire to get great smoky flavor when it comes to a grilled banana s'more because everybody wants s'more, right? All you need for my grilled banana boat s'mores are four bananas, one per person, a handful of chocolate chips, and a handful of mini marshmallows, and then some graham crackers or graham cracker crumbs, if you will. You'll heat the grill to medium-high heat. You'll slice each banana lengthwise, leaving the peel intact, and then you sort of open or uh, create a pocket by squeezing the sides of the banana together so that you can fill that cut banana in its skin with chocolate chips and marshmallows. Then you line the grill grates with a sheet of aluminum foil. You place the stuffed bananas on the foil and you close the grill. And about five or seven minutes later, everything is gooey and melted and the banana is warm and full of fabulous flavor. You sprinkle with some graham cracker crumbs on top and then you just indulge. I will post the grilled banana boat s'mores recipe on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram right now. And you will find it on my fan page at Chef Jamie Gwen, where I hope you'll become a friend. And I will meet you here next Sunday in your radio for more delicious conversation and fabulous food. I thank you for listening. I'm Chef Jamie Gwen signing off. I hope you continue to eat well.